Hey guys, we're going to start this episode with a shout out to our newest Patreon fan club member, Abby Waller. Abby is now a premium listener and will enjoy our full benefits package. If you're curious what that includes or you want your own shout out, visit disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club and get yourself in the Patreon fan club for as little as $1 a month to start receiving your benefits today. And now, on with the show. He's been a suspect in the disappearance of at least five girls, inserted himself into missing persons investigations, and played mind games with victims, families, and police. So, just who is Timothy Binsner? Forty-three-year-old Timothy Bindner was married and working at a sewage treatment plant in 1991 when he first became known to law enforcement in California's San Francisco Bay Area. While investigating the cases of several missing girls along the I-80 corridor, his name came up multiple times in conjunction with disturbing behaviors toward and regarding young girls. Parents in the East Bay began reporting that Bindner was sending birthday cards, small gifts, and money to their young daughters, trying to strike up friendships with them. One mother gave police letters that Bindner had sent to her daughter. One was written backwards so it could only be read when held up to a mirror. One contained small trinket gifts, and another contained a love poem and Bible verses with certain words underlined. Quote, I have chosen you. Be with me where I am. End quote. When asked why he was contacting the girls, Bindner told investigators that he was being kind and that the girls were, quote, lonely. During their research into Bindner, investigators discovered that in 1985, he was fired from his job as a social security claims processor after his boss caught him collecting the names, addresses, and birth dates of young girls in Colorado. He had sent approximately 40 girls $50 on their 14th birthdays. When questioned, Bindner said he was mimicking a TV show in which a man surprised strangers with money, saying he thought it was, quote, a touch of magic for the kids, end quote. Parents complained and Bindner was fired. However, he was rehired 16 months later after an arbitrator found that he hadn't used the records for personal gain, and therefore, there was no just cause in his firing. Bindner drove a light blue Dodge van with a vanity license plate reading L-O-V-Y-O-U. He had wallpapered the inside of his van with pictures of children, Bible verse quotes, and crayon drawings. He was once arrested for trying to lure two young girls into his van, but the charges were ultimately dropped. 
His only other arrest and conviction was on a public drunkenness charge. Bindner had a reputation for spending time in cemeteries and volunteering to repair gravestones, and he once had a job working in a crematorium. Parents of missing girls reported that Bindner called or visited them to offer help in locating their missing children. The mothers of Amber Schwartz Garcia and Michaela Garrett, both of which are still missing, have specifically mentioned his interference in their daughter's cases, including searching on his own, visiting the families, and calling them repeatedly to offer his help. Bintner has downplayed the involvement, describing himself as a good Samaritan. However, families and law enforcement have said that Bintner appeared to be playing mind games with them, and that he seemed to enjoy taunting families into believing he was involved in their daughter's abductions. Angela Bugai was five years old in 1983 when she was abducted from Antioch, California. She was later found sexually assaulted and strangled to death. Bindner repeatedly visited her grave, often late at night. He was said to have gone there more than 80 times to spend time and talk with her. And he was known to clean and decorate the grave. In an interview with a forensic psychologist, Bindner said that he liked that Angela's photo was on her gravestone. Quote, I fell in love with her. You're not supposed to be in love with a dead girl, end quote. Investigators never considered Binder a suspect in her murder. Angela's mother's ex-boyfriend was found guilty using DNA evidence. However, some investigators believe that Angela's abduction and murder could have triggered Binder. Days after Amber Schwartz Garcia disappeared, Binder visited Angela's gravesite, and he, quote, kissed the gravestone and simulated a sex act, end quote, according to FBI surveillance. Sources also say that search dogs either traced the sense of Amber Schwartz Garcia, who disappeared in June of 1988, and Amanda Campbell, who disappeared in December of 1991, either to or indicated their sense at Angela's grave. Bindner is considered a suspect in both of their disappearances. At one point, Bindner invited Linda Golston, a reporter from the San Jose Mercury News, to interview him. He set the time and place for the interview at 4.30 p.m. at the Oakmount Cemetery, where Angela Bugai was buried. During the interview, Golston said Bindner asked to play his favorite song for her, titled, Jesus, Here's Another Child to Hold. He said he thought of the missing girls as his children. He also offered specifics about how he thought the girls reacted when abducted, outlining that one was submissive while the other fought back, but he claimed that he was just guessing about their reactions. Golston also said that, quote, he had convinced himself that he was rescuing these girls and he was delivering them to Jesus, end quote. In 1988, Bindner wrote a letter to police saying that he thought the next girl who disappeared would be nine years old. 
nine-year-old Michaela Garrick disappeared shortly after the letter arrived. He also sent an FBI profiler a Christmas card with an image of a little girl holding up four fingers. Four-year-old Amanda Campbell disappeared soon after, on December 27th, 1991. He also gave police tips and offered them what he considered his special expertise in crimes against children. This included theorizing who may have taken them, why and how they were taken, and what happened to them. At least once, he suggested that the killer may have disposed of the girls' bodies in open graves at Oakmount Cemetery, which was the cemetery where Angela Bugai was buried. His home was searched by police in late 1992, but nothing of interest was reported to have been found. After the 1989 San Francisco earthquake, the California State Patrol gave Bindner a heroism award for assisting earthquake victims. Defenders say that this is proof that Bindner is simply a helpful guy. In 1998, Bindner was featured in the book Stalemate by John Philpin, a forensic psychologist, which detailed Bindner's strange behavior and the way he inserted himself into the searches for missing girls and their families' lives. Philpin says that Bindner willingly spoke with him for, quote, hundreds of hours, end quote. Now, in a strange twist, a man who was convicted of killing his teenage son in 2009 asked for a new trial because Timothy Bindner was a juror on this case and, according to the man's lawyers, he misrepresented himself in order to be on the jury. Prosecutors argued the guilty verdict should stand because Bindner was required to reveal that he was a person of interest in multiple crimes. One disturbing item from this time on the jury is a statement that while discussing the crime the man was on trial for, Bindner gave a long explanation of choking someone and how long it would take to choke a person to death. He said he knew the information because he'd been choked himself. A news article covering the request for a new trial stated that Bindner was at the time 61 and living in San Pablo. It also mentioned that he'd previously been removed from a jury in the murder trial of a 17-year-old accused of killing a woman. The article also noted that he was never arrested or charged, but had been nationally recognized as a suspect even though he had always maintained his innocence in the cases. In fact, he'd repeatedly said that he'd never harmed or even met any of the missing girls. He was simply, quote, deeply affected when he heard of their disappearances and wanted to do anything he could to help, end quote. Coming up after the break, we're going to take a look at some potential victims of Timothy Binsner. Support for this episode comes from Audible. You guys already love podcasts, so I'd be willing to bet you'll love Audible too. They have the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. I just finished The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. It's the shocking true story of serial killer Ted Bundy. And this is an excellent follow-up to our very first episode with Kathy Kleiner. I binged this whole book in probably three days. They have all your favorite genres, bestsellers, mysteries, dramas, and everything in between. The best part of Audible for me is you can listen on the go, wherever you are. Whether you're driving or working out, whatever it may be. 
this is a game changer. Audible members get to choose one audiobook every month, regardless of price, as well as two Audible originals you can't get anywhere else. You can enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you keep forever, and you can access anytime, anywhere. You can get started with a 30-day free trial, and you'll get your first audiobook as well as two Audible originals completely free by visiting audibletrial.com slash disturbed. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash disturbed. This episode is made possible by Supporty. Are you struggling to stay motivated to the goals you've set for yourself? Maybe you're trying to wake up earlier, but you keep hitting that snooze button. Or maybe you're trying to cut back on sweets, but you find yourself opening the fridge when you're stressed out. Well, One of the best ways to make lasting behavioral changes is by an accountability partner who will help you stick to positive daily actions. So how do you find a reliable accountability partner who is going to engage with you and keep you honest? Supporty is a mobile app that matches you with accountability buddies for a week at a time. Supporty pairs you and a buddy up one-on-one. That's for maximum accountability. Plus, it's mutual, so you encourage your buddy and they encourage you each day of your seven-day session. What's really cool is you can see whether your partner accomplished their daily actions and they can see whether you've done yours too. If you want a more effective way to stay motivated, experience the difference of an accountability partner. Download Supporty, that's support with an I at the end, from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store, And make sure you choose Disturbed Podcast when you create your account to start your two-week free trial. You can check out the show notes of this episode for more details. Get encouragement, get motivated, and achieve more with Supporty. Now, let's take a look at some of the cases where Timothy Bindner was named as a suspect and could have some potential victims. Seven-year-old Amber Schwartz Garcia disappeared from her front yard around 4.30 p.m. on June 3, 1988. She was playing unattended for about 15 minutes. When her mother checked on her, she was gone. She was playing with an adult-sized leather jump rope with wooden handles that has never been located. The day after her disappearance, investigators found a pair of pink socks near a baseball diamond by the creek behind her home. The socks were found in an area that had already been searched, so investigators believe that they were left there after the initial search. The day after she was last seen, a witness claimed to have seen a white man throwing a girl that matched Amber's description into a tan four-door car. Investigators have never been able to verify that the girl was Amber. In 1991, three years after Amber's disappearance, a man claimed to have witnessed a bearded man force a girl into a vehicle on the day Amber disappeared. He believed the girl matched Amber's description. Investigators have said that Binsner did not have a beard at the time, and they traced the reported vehicle's license plate to an impounded lot in Los Angeles. They have never said whether the child seen that day was Amber, or if the vehicle is related to her case. Binsner has been accused of being, quote, obsessed with Amber's disappearance. 
three days after Amber's disappearance, Timothy Bensner approached her mother, Kim, and told her that he'd been searching for her daughter. In one interview, Kim quoted Bensner as saying, quote, I wanted to be the one to save her. I wanted to be the one to bring her home to you, end quote. Kim reported the contact, and investigators believe that Bensner looked like the man reported to have been seen throwing a girl into a vehicle on the day Amber went missing. Now, investigators asked Kim to actually befriend Bensner in hopes of discovering whether he was involved in Amber's disappearance or those of other missing children. Nothing definitive was discovered, but Bensner reportedly continued to contact Kim for years, offering his help searching for Amber. Scent dogs traced or found Amber's scent to or at the gravesite of Angela Bugai, which was a place Bensner was known to frequent. Investigators have never had enough information to prove Bensner was involved in Amber's disappearance but it is believed that he remains a suspect. The FBI extensively questioned Bindner after Amber's abduction, including polygraph testing that was inconclusive. Now, just a disclaimer here, polygraph testing is not really considered too reliable and it is not admissible in court. In 2009, investigators said Curtis Dean Anderson, a convicted pedophile, was responsible for Amber's kidnapping and murder. Anderson confessed in 2007 while already in prison and a month before his death. He claimed to have taken her to Arizona, murdered her, and left her body beside a highway. However, her remains have never been located, and Anderson was known to have confessed to many other crimes. He signed a statement in Amber's case and police said they were unable to refute it, but many people, including Amber's mother, are skeptical of Anderson's confession. Nine-year-old Michaela Garrett was abducted from a parking lot in Hayward, California on November 19, 1988. She and a friend had ridden scooters to the store to buy candy. Upon leaving, Michaela noticed that her friend's scooter had been moved. And when she went to get the scooter, an unknown white male forced her into a vehicle and drove away. Her friend reported the kidnapping right away, but the vehicle... The perpetrator and Michaela were never located. Investigators have said that Binsner had a possible connection to her case, but no further information was ever given. 13-year-old Eileen Micheloff disappeared while walking home from school in Dublin, California on January 30, 1989. Classmates saw her taking a shortcut through John Mape Park along a dry creek bed. She was carrying a dark blue backpack and a black plastic flute case. After her disappearance, the backpack was found in the creek bed in an area that had already been searched. Investigators believe it was placed there after the search. 12-year-old Tara Cossie had walked to the store to buy a bag of sugar for her mother in San Pablo, California on June 6, 1979. She was last seen inside the shopping center and never returned home. Investigators have said that Bindner had a possible connection to her case, but no further information was ever given. Four-year-old Amanda Campbell was last seen near her home in Fairfield, California on December 27, 1991, between 4.30 and 5 p.m. 
She had been playing at a friend's house four doors down from her own home and left to ride her bike around the corner to a different friend's house. Her brother and a friend were outside and saw her bike away. Her bike was found that evening, abandoned a few blocks from her home. Authorities searched the area but were unable to find anything other than a pair of blue children's socks. However, they could not be confirmed to be Amanda's. Scent dogs traced Amanda down the street where she was last seen, through a drive through at a local fast food restaurant, and then to the westbound I-80 on-ramp. Investigators believe she was pulled into a vehicle and taken. Search dogs also either traced Amanda's scent to or indicated upon her scent at the gravesite of Angela Bugai, again a place Bindner was known to visit. However, investigators have never had enough information to prove Bindner was involved, but it is believed he remains a suspect, and investigators had publicly named Bindner as a suspect. In 1997, Bindner won a $90,000 defamation suit against the city of Fairfield, claiming that they'd harassed him and ruined his reputation. Now, just a quick note here, it is important to note that Bindner is not the only suspect in these and other local disappearances of young girls. Several others are also suspects in many of these cases. Now, there was never enough evidence against Bindner for his arrest, but there are a lot of creepy details and actions that make him look guilty. It seems that police were never able to conclusively rule him in or out with the actual evidence available, despite seriously investigating him for years and in connection to several crimes. In one article, John Philpin, a criminal psychologist who interviewed and researched Bidner for his book Stalemate, said, quote, This kind of accumulation of coincidence is not anything that I've ever encountered in 25 years of investigative work, end quote. There is a lot about Bindner that is unsettling at best. The description of his van is disturbing, as is his obsession with Angela Bugai and her death. Writing letters to children that he didn't know and sending them money is strange behavior, and the way he inserted himself into investigations and sought out interactions with missing girls' families is something other known killers have done. And his jobs, including working at a crematorium and sewage treatment plant, also could have given him access to locations that would have easily allowed him to dispose of remains. It's clear that someone or someones were kidnapping little girls in the area where Bindner lived in the late 1970s through early 1990s. While multiple other individuals have been arrested and found guilty of similar crimes and other disappearances have been solved, There are also many unsolved cases and girls who remain missing. Now, it's possible that Bindner is responsible for the disappearances of these girls and potentially others. Then again, it's also possible that he's psychologically off and simply has too much of a fascination with missing children. Is it possible that Bindner is simply too fixated on missing children and really does just want to help find them? Or is there a darker truth? You've been listening to Disturbed. This episode was researched and written by Reddit user Lisa Greenhouse. You can find a link to her write-up and profile in the show notes. You can see more info on our website, disturbedpodcast.com. 
If you enjoyed this episode, help us grow by sharing the show with a friend. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so you always get the newest episodes automatically. Learn more about our Patreon fan club and benefits package for as little as $1 a month over at disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club. If you have your own disturbing experience you want to share for the podcast, leave us a voicemail through our hotline at 701-712-8008. It's available 24-7. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod to stay up to date with all the latest Disturbed news. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Stay safe out there, y'all.